Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome everyone. This is your Freedom Coach, Don Scott Damon. I'm your host tonight, and you are listening to the Freedom Girl Sisterhood. I'm so glad that you stopped by and that you're listening tonight. Hey, we're going to talk about the six ways to get margin back in your life. Does anybody need that? Boy, I know I sure do. Just some space to breathe, some room to just think, reflect, meditate, center down and get your thoughts, just room to have an enjoyable life, not always running late, running from this thing to that thing, to this play, to that appointment, to this office, to that, you you get the picture. Well, we just exhaust ourselves, and because we run from sun up to sun down, we're experiencing medical issues and stress and anxiety. We've got information overload. We live in a time where there is just so much information, and actually they tell us that about 75 to 80% of all doctor visits today are stress-related. There's information I don't know what to do with. I know there's information I should know. There's email I should read. There's phone messages I should return. There is mail in the mailbox that I need to deal with. On and on it goes, and our society has really become a stressed-out overworked, under-rested society. So I thought tonight it would be a good idea for us to just take a moment and look at the six different ways that we can restore margin into our life. So hey, let's just get on into this tonight. Number one, say uncle. Now I know you might be thinking, what does that mean? Well, you know when you're in a wrestling match with someone and you finally say, I give up, I surrender, uncle. Number one is just surrender your schedule to God and acknowledge that your current load is unsustainable. I can't do it, God. I can't run like this and be healthy mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Turn it over to God and start with internal margin. As we think about the different ways to put margin in our life, let's start with inside Not just the externals, but start with internal margin. What would happen if you just got quiet before God? What would happen if you just focused down and just spent some time with Him? Uh, For the last several weeks, I've put a reminder on my telephone that goes off at noon. And it simply just says, stop and acknowledge God, pray, and You think, well, boy, do you have to put an alarm on your phone in order for you to do that? Well, yeah, sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm running so fast and so furious that I get to the end of the day and I think, man, God, I haven't even talked to you all day. You know, what kind of a relationship do we have or what kind of human relationship could be sustained if you just went day after day after day without talking? So my alarm goes off and I just stop for a moment. And I acknowledge God. I say, God, I love you. I'm so thankful for how you operate in my life, how you bless me, how you take care of me, how you've pulled me out of the pit, God, how you heal me and restore me. I'm so thankful for you, God. And um, I, I just put that reminder on my phone because my own lack of margin is very prominent in my own life. And I'm working on this. 
And I forget at times to inquire of the owner, the one who owns me, the one who bought me with a price. And you know that's true for you too. God, he is not just a good counselor or an advice giver. He's the owner. We belong to him. He purchased us with the price. We don't belong to ourselves. Why don't we just stop, get quiet before God and ask him, the owner of our life, God, am I doing everything that you want me to do? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too much of the wrong thing? Am I filling my life with the necessary things to become successful and to reach destiny that you have for me? Is my motivation for living out the calendar that I have, is it, is it because I want to please you, God, and I want to serve you? Or is my calendar filled with things that I said yes to that I really shouldn't have said yes to? Is it fueled by my desire to be important or my need to be needed? Or does my calendar reflect that what I say with my mouth, that you're my priority, God? Does my calendar reflect that? Are you coming first in my life? Is it a lack of trust that if I don't say yes to this, nothing better will come along? Or does my calendar really, in all trueness and authenticity, bless you and please your heart, God? So I would start with that. Number one, say, uncle, admit and acknowledge that your current load is unsustainable and turn it over to God. The next thing we have to do is admit it's an inside job. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. As we said a moment ago, it's internal, not external. My lack of margin isn't anybody else's fault but my own. Seriously, I mean, I can blame all the other sources. I can blame all the externals. But the bottom line is, it's inside of me. But this is good news. This is good news, and I'll tell you why. Because if it's inside of me, if my lack of margin is my doing then it's in my circle of control, and that's a good thing because that means I have the power to change it if I want to. If I'm the cause over my overcommitment or my underproduction, if I'm the one, then I can do something about it. I can change it. I can make steps, baby steps if necessary, but I can moderate or modify rather the way that I'm behaving. Stephen Covey, um, you are familiar with Stephen Covey, he says that we have the ability to put a pause, or as we talked last week, a sila, a divine pause that we see in the Psalms. We have the ability to put a pause in between the stimuli and our response. And we can choose a different response if we want to. And when someone asks you to do something or to commit and you're under pressure, rather than immediately responding, just take a moment and stop. You can simply say, I'll get back to you. Or let me respond to this email in a moment. Let me think it through. We don't have to fire back right away. So if we will admit that it's an inside job, that, it, that our lack of margin is because there's something going on inside of us, we will be ahead of the game. And that is indeed good news. All right, so number three, bust the myth of more. You know, often we think that more is the thing that we should achieve, that it's desirable. But I really believe that the more myth 
is exactly that. It's an untrue thing. It's a myth. It doesn't always pan out the way we think we do that it would because more is always more. And that also means more responsibility, more stress, more of your time, more of your commitment, more of the oil in your lamp that you're already burning at both ends. We really need to, I feel as Christians, but also just as an American in our nation, develop an abundance mindset instead of scarcity. I mean, what would happen if we looked at our life instead of lacking something or that somebody has more than we do or that we're not enough or that our existence is unworthy or unsatisfying or unfulfilling, if we would begin to develop inside of our mind and our heart a desire and a, and a belief that I can be happy and content right where I am because I am amazingly and abundantly blessed just as I am. You know, this past couple of months I've not been feeling well, and if you follow the show you might have noticed that we had a couple of um, repeats because I was just not feeling well. I got a virus that just did not want to leave my body. And it was in that moment where I realized, you know what, just having your health is huge. Just feeling good and being able to walk outside and feel the sun on your face or to drive down the street or to be able to hug your husband or your child or your pet if you're a single person. And um, I don't say that lightly because our pets are our family. But just to be able to do any of those things is so fulfilling and so amazing. And you forget that. I forgot that anyway when I wasn't feeling well. And I kind of said to God through some tears, Lord, if you'll restore me, all I want to do is just please you. I don't need one more thing in my life. And the minute we get better, you know, the first thing I'm doing is out there running, blowing and going again, filling my calendar, trying to meet these deadlines. And um, it, But I was sick long enough to where I know I'm going to pace myself, really feel like I'm going to live differently. And so realize that you're abundantly blessed right now and that chasing after more It's really not true. You know, it's a vapor. It's a chasing after the wind. God tells us that we have everything that we need right now. I love 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, By His divine power, He has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And so if you want to gain something, gain knowledge with God, gain relationship with Jesus. If you want to have more, have more time with our Heavenly Father. If you need more, have more of His voice whisper in your ear. That's what we need more of. And if we'll start with that, if we'll develop an abundant mindset and just bust up that myth that having more possessions and more stuff and more fame and more money, that that's what brings happiness. I'll tell you, it is not only not what brings happiness, but oftentimes it is the the root of our unhappiness. If you think about possessions and having more, do you know that we get so filled with clutter and hoarding and our houses are overflowing with stuff that we actually become the reverse of what we were hoping for. That more stuff is proven not to make you happy. There's evidence out there that suggests that more stuff actually makes you less happy. 
And there are books written by people who won the lottery and they became rich overnight and they said their life was ruined by it because it was the anxiety and the stress and the broken relationships and the demand of it all really destroyed the contentment and the joy of the simplicity that they had before in their life. Now, hear me. I am a person who loves to achieve. I love reaching goals. I love accomplishing things. And I've kind of been created in my DNA that for me to feel fulfilled, I definitely need to be accomplishing goals. That's for sure. Or maybe a better way for me to say that is that I enjoy that. If I have a need to do something, I need to investigate that. Because, again, what's driving us to have no margin in our life? So it's better said, I I pray and, and believe that it's true of me, that it's that I'm wired and I enjoy and I find a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment in accomplishing goals. I am a goal-oriented person. So anyways, number four, let's look at the fourth thing that we need to do to build margin into our life. So number four is track your time spending. Now, this is not original with me. I've learned this from Michael Hyatt, and he said that he learned it from Todd Duncan's book called Time Traps. But, you know, we have a financial budget, and we look at, or at least we should have a financial budget, and we look at where our money has gone and how we've spent our money. And these professionals tell us that people say their most valuable resource is actually their time. Well, wouldn't it make sense to you that if time is our actual most valuable resource, that we should have a time budget? It makes sense to me that we should. And so if our most valuable asset is our time, I want to know where my time is going. And I think that it's a great experience for you if you would just take one week and track and journal. How are you spending your time? If it is our most valuable asset, and it is, why would we leave it to chance? Or fate? Why would we just leave it to happenstance how we spend our time instead of scheduling it first? You know, if you ask people what their priorities are today, I know if you were asked me, and, and it's probably true of you too, I would say, well, God is my priority. And then after God, of course, is my husband and my children. You know, you put your family next. And I would say my church is my priority, my church family. And oh, of course, my health is a priority. And then you match the schedule with the priority that was just articulated. And oftentimes you'll see that the person who gets the least amount of time is God, even though we just said that was our priority. And the next to that, probably our children or our spouse, even though we'll say with our lips, yeah, they're my priority. They're the number one thing in my life. And we believe that they are and love our family. But yet they're the ones that get the shaft. Often they're the ones that get the least of us or not our prime time. They get the, the, when we're spent and exhausted and drained. And I know the demands of life sometimes push us around, but you know what? If they are valuable, let's be intentional about that and schedule time. Let's put it on our calendar. Schedule time for yourself. If your health, and I'm telling you, man, it is. If you don't have a goal for 2015 to be more healthy, I'm going to challenge you right now to take that goal because, you know what, our health is everything. And you need to take your calendar and schedule time for you, time to work out, time to stretch your muscles to get your heart 
going, time to go to the grocery store and buy the right kind of food that you should be consuming or that you should be feeding your family. Time for you to take a break, to just breathe and just to sit quietly and just to meditate. I start my morning every morning, try to within just the quiet, and I, I sleep with a fan. I just love the that white noise or that fan sound, the wind. There's something very soothing to me about the wind, and I'm in it as much as I can. But I start my mornings by sitting in front of the fan or just sitting there in the quiet, and I take at least three deep breaths through my nose and slowly breathe out of my mouth, and I just sit there just being quiet, just de-stressing and relaxing. Even though I just woke up, I know my day is going to start with a bang and I've got to get going. And so I'm scheduling time. And then right after that, typically, my husband and I work out in the morning and we do it together. And we just like to start our day. And then we always pray together and have our devotion and that's our morning. And in order to get all that in, yeah, we set our alarm clocks and we get up, whether it's 5.30 or 6 or 6.30 or even 7, depending on what we have to do that day. But I'll tell you what, if I would rather have one less hour of sleep and start my day right with relaxation and margin than feeling stressed out and running and crazy and ru- starting late and flying and not having time for a good breakfast and letting my body go. So I'm going to put that on my calendar. I'm going to put lunches and dinners on my calendar. I'm going to make time. I'm going to tell time where to go. I'm not going to ask time, oh, where did the time go? Where did it fly? I'm going to control and set time budgets. Otherwise, the time traps will steal your time. They will take your priority. They will gobble your priority. So what would it look like if you just took a moment and put your priorities down and you created a spreadsheet and you looked at your day? You know, we all have the same amount of time every day. We all get 24 hours and you would just take control and plot out your ideal week and see what that would look like. Now, you don't always have control over everything, but guess what? You have more than you think you do. You really do, and so do I. And we could get more done than what we think we could if we would become intentional. So number four, track your time spending and see where it's going. Now number five is important too, and it's very easy to do. But number five, the way we get margin into our life is to turn saboteurs into supporters. I'll say that again. Turn those that would sabotage your schedule into supporters of your schedule. Get your people on board with you. You know, so often uh, we do things and then we don't share with those that are most important to us or those secretaries or children or spouses or whoever that also speak into our schedules or have access to us. So get them on board with you and say, hey, will you support me in this? Don't call me during this time or don't schedule anything or please understand if I'm not able to make any appointments during this time because this is my new calendar and this is what it's going to look like. And so if you'll get them on board with you, you'll find that you'll get a lot of support. I've done this for years. People know that you know Monday's a radio day or Wednesday is a study day. Perhaps, you know, Tuesday, of course, and Wednesday, Thursday's work days or whatever my schedule has been over the years. And at, at first, you know, it got, it would be 
difficult. But once that schedule was set, people understood that. And and now they'll text me and say, hey, I know it's your writing day today, but when you get up and you or you come up for air tomorrow, can you call me back or whatever? They don't look for me to get right back to them because they've learned this is my day. And I keep those tight boundaries in my life. I need to, you know, or I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't experience the margin, and I would be a frustrated person, and I, I really want to live God's best. How about you? Don't we want to be free from the demands of everyone, and at the end of the day, you're sitting there, and you haven't done anything that you feel God put in your heart to do. You haven't done anything that you desire to do, or you haven't done the things that you want to do for your family, and that is your priority, and so this is how we get there. So that's number five, turn those saboteurs into supporters. And then finally, number six, I just wrote, roll tide, roll. In other words, just get started. Start somewhere. Don't wait for a perfect opportunity to get control of your schedule. Or don't wait for the perfect opportunity to say, okay, you know, when when this happens, then I'll be able to do that. Or someday, you know, someday's never going to come. If you don't stay intentional with it, it's going to, your future is going to sneak up on you. And before you know it, another year has gone by. And we'll be watching the ball drop and saying, where did 2015 go? Ephesians, I believe it's 11 Four says, don't wait for perfect conditions. You know, don't look at the sky and say, oh, I'm not going to sow today or I'm not going to harvest. I'm going to wait. If you wait for perfect conditions, it's never going to happen. Get started. Do something. Do something small. If it's just scheduling an appointment with yourself and then keep it, by the way, don't cancel on yourself. Love yourself enough to keep that appointment. If it's just that little baby step, but start somewhere. Okay, I'm going to give you three ways that you can get started just uh, under roll, tired roll. Just three easy things that you could do. And I've already shared one with it. Um, and I, it's called Experience Recovery Every Day. And what I mean by that, Martha Beck has written a book called The Joy Diet. And she says that in order to have joy, you need to incorporate nothing into your day, even if it's only just for a few minutes. The uh, chapter one of her book is entitled Nothing. And she says, in summary, in this chapter, to begin the joy diet, you have to do nothing for just 15 minutes a day, even if it's a nap. Because actually, not long, you know, two-hour naps, but little short cat naps actually can energize you and give you stamina. But just do nothing. Schedule a 15-minute break. And you're not even praying here because even that is sometimes effort or work or, or, or burns energy because we're focusing and spending emotion. But just nothing, just 15 minutes a day of sipping a glass of tea, looking out the window, or sit on the floor like I do in front of the fan and imagine that you're floating on a boat with Jesus. You know, I don't know. But 15 minutes of just, just nothing. Just exhale. Just breathe. Just tell the madness to stop. Okay, so that's one thing that you can do. Another thing that you can do is explore God in new ways. 
I'm reading the Wayfinding Bible this year. It's a really cool Bible. Just Google it, Wayfinding Bible. It's the story of the Bible. It, it It's not written in chronological order. It is in standard order, but there's a reading program that you do that brings you through the chronological story so you know that Job was written at the time of Genesis, and we experience the life of Job at the same time we're reading about Jacob and his two wives. And um, it's really cool, but explore God in new ways. I want to challenge you. Get out of your box with God. If you, you know, you're a Christian and you love God, and yet you just find yourself being a little religious or just doing the same thing over and over, the same kind of prayers. I want you to get out on a limb with God. Do something that requires faith. or Read the Word in a new way. Read the Word until the Word of God reads you. Just just explore God in new ways. And you'll discover, if you begin to ask God before you say yes to things, Lord, is, is this something I should do? And you, or just put an alarm on your phone and practice the presence of God like I'm doing, you'll find that that those little bits of margin in your life start to direct and order and straighten out and realign your life with God. And then finally, um, exercise some self-regulation. And I find that fasting is a good way to do that. If you've not been very good at self-regulating, if, if, there, if you don't know how to police yourself or manage yourself, You'll never be a leader of the multitudes. We have to learn to self-regulate. I have to learn to say no to something. Hey, guess what? It's okay for you to be a little uncomfortable at times. It's okay for me to be hungry at times. That's okay. I'm not dying. It's okay for me not to watch TV. It's okay for me not to look at my cell phone. It's okay to to allow myself to feel a little bit of discomfort at times instead of always indulging my flesh or my emotional needs and never allowing myself to learn what it really means just to experience some of the disciplines that can that can allow myself just to be um, sharper and more chiseled into the image of God. And that's what I desire. I desire to reflect God and to be in control, not let my possessions control me, not let my habits control me, certainly not let the enemy control me or scary thoughts to control me. But I want to exercise self-regulation, and fasting is a good way to do that. Maybe you know of other ways. It doesn't have to be just fasting food, but fasting other things perhaps, or holding yourself accountable or asking someone to hold you accountable until you can learn to do it. So that is six ways that we can begin to put margin back into our life. And again, why is it important to have margin in our life? Because your time on earth is short and it must be strategic. God's got things for you to do. He wants to use your life. And you know, as we said last week, the enemy, if he can't kill you, he's he'll settle for squandering you, for squandering your time and your talent, for squandering your gift and your calling, and the purpose for which God created you and put the, put you on this earth. Satan is very happy to allow you just to waste your life and never accomplish what God desires for you to do. And I do believe that God put deep inside of us, each one of us, in our DNA, the desire to please him, to find 
what our purpose, our anointing, our reason for being, our existence, that there's something inside of us that God wants us to do. And I hope that you'll find it. That's why we need margin. Hey, I want to pray for you. I can't believe our time was already gone, but let me just take a moment and pray for you. Father God, I just lift my sister to you right now who is experiencing your voice, listening to this broadcast, hoping that she's hearing you say, hey, I'm talking to you. I want to do abundantly more and above and beyond what you could think or imagine or even dare to ask. And it starts with you just taking a moment and sitting quiet with me that I might put inside of your heart my dream for your life. God, if there's anyone listening right now who would say, yes, Lord, I claim that. I pray right now, Lord, that you would just overwhelm her with your presence, with your amazing love, and with your calling and anointing on her life. Say, come away. Come with me. Run away with me, my beloved. I want to spend time with you. I thank you for that, Lord. Breathing room and margin in our life, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's been good to be with you again. This is Dawn Scott Damon, your freedom coach, reminding you to stop by my website, dawnjones.org, or thefreedomgirlsisterhood.com. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear what you'd like to hear a show on. And hey, as we close down this broadcast, let me remind you that freedom is your inheritance as a daughter of the king. If the sun sets you free, then you are free indeed. Love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.